Hey, it's Steve. And before the show today, this is a really exciting and just fun announcement. Some of you feel like it's time to make a change in your life, but you're feeling a bit stuck or like you're just not fulfilling your potential. And you want to get focused on what matters most. You want to have more confidence in the unique value you bring. And you also just want to set a clear direction and next steps for your life, for your career, etc. But, you know, you're busy and you're not sure how to get there. So here's the thing. In a few weeks, we are starting a 14-week life mapping experience with a group of about 10 people across the country facilitated by Tommy and myself. And in this group, we are going to do things like help you craft a vision and mission for the kind of life that you want, help you make career decisions and improve relationships, and really just have a blueprint for what to say yes to and what to say no to. And we're also going to help you create systems to grow and create more freedom in your life and make a greater difference. So if this interests you at all and you want to learn more, go to greenhouseculture.co under services, greenhouse groups, or you can just click the link in the show notes. But the group starts soon, so go register now. Welcome to The Greenhouse Effect. Our hope is that this podcast would be like a greenhouse to help you get unstuck and grow into your full potential because life ought to be fully lived. Well, hey, everyone. This is your host, Steve Perkins, and I'm here again with my co-host, Tommy Thompson. Hello. And today we're talking about just continuing on this theme of personal growth related to slowing down, creating margin, creating focus, which I think is actually really timely given it's still, I think we can still call it the beginning of the year and setting some new rhythms and goals for the year. Right. Well, it it certainly seems to be an area that actually we all struggle with. It's hard. So you, you almost can't get away from this topic. So Hopefully this is uh, something that's useful to people. Yeah, and so we're, we're doing multiple episodes here on this theme. And if, if you're just picking up now, listen back to the past few and, and you'll kind of get a sense for this. But today, our key question we want to focus on is just relating to um, systems of intentionality. How do you create systems in your life to be intentional and grow towards the things you want to grow towards? And so we realize... Um, that a real present struggle is is our smartphones and everything related to that. And so today we want to address um, how do we how do we address this growing obsession with our smartphones? Right. It, I, this is such an absolutely huge issue, but it's also one that creates some uh, angst in me because uh, these days it's almost become popular to beat people up over their smartphones and to kind of just seem anti-technology. Right. And even the flavor of some of our podcasts about learning to slow down and yes and no can can make it seem like what we're really about is is a monk-like existence. <laughs> and so therefore talking about our smartphones is just kind of an easy target. And that's not how it feels at all to me. And so I'm uh I have a reticence in me about talking about this because I just don't want to be another one of those people who's seen as beating things up and taking easy targets. 
this is actually really important. So I kind of uh, unwillingly kind of come into this topic. Yeah. Because uh, I just don't want to jump on a, a bandwagon right. with it. Right. And it's probably worth calling that out and pausing on that for a second because I feel the same way. It, um, it's always annoyed me personally when, when there's nagging and, um, and beating up of technology uh, happening. I think anyone who knows us knows that we, we actually love technology. In fact, you know, in my career, I've worked primarily yeah. in the fields of, you know, high tech and software development. And it's, it's something I love. I actually subscribe to popular science magazine. <laughs> so it's, like, it's my favorite magazine. You're admitting that in public. Heck yeah. I mean, I love technology, Yeah, but yeah, I think the reason we talk about these topics a lot is because we're trying to actively balance how to use it well and still maintain um, focus and balance in our lives. Right. So two kind of, I think, front end uh, admissions. Uh, one is that l- not living with a smartphone in our culture is virtually not an option. So we have to actually figure out how do we live with a smartphone. And the second confession is that I really struggle with this. I mean, one of the reasons I feel so strongly about this is that it is very, very hard for me to uh, make progress against the addictive nature of smartphone. So uh, the things that we're talking about are coming out of the fact that I really, really wrestle with this. And in that wrestling, no, even in my imperfections in wrestling with it, that it is so important. And, and you know, the, the coach of me wants to say, if you're living in that tension, that's actually a good sign. If you're, if you're struggling and wrestling with something like that and how to balance, that's a good sign that you're actually leaning into what matters, right? If anyone is completely anti-technology, they're probably irrelevant to most people's lives. Right. Or on the other side, if you are completely obsessed and overtaken by it, then, then you have no balance, you have no intentionality. And so the people who feel that tension, I would, I would argue is actually a great sign that you're leaning in and, and living in those important tensions. Well, thanks. That makes you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at the same time, I actually want the struggle to get easier. I actually want to make progress, and sometimes we can glorify just always struggling. And so I want to get very practical and and talk about ways we can actually have a little bit of victory over this, and we can actually get a little bit um, ahead of some of this uh, addiction that, that seems to overwhelm us. So hopefully this probably as much as many any of the ap- episodes that we do will be uh, very tactical. Very tactical. And I think it's similar to a lot of the topics that, that we might hit on over time. You know, even thinking about money. Okay. Some people might argue money is good. Some might argue it's bad, but, but really it's just an object. It's just something that can be used in various ways. And so in, similarly, technology can be great. It can be harmful. Uh, and so it's less about the actual smartphone itself and more about are we 
owning it and using it for our purposes or is it owning us? Right. And so that's where I want to kind of have a different angle for how we go about this topic. And I can't remember how this actually uh, came to me, but uh, I came to understand the power of what I call the law of proximity. And the law of proximity, as I've uh, formed this, states that we give our attention to that which is closest to us. So I want to say that again. We give our attention or we give our hearts to that which is closest to us. Now, the converse is also true, that we do not give our attention, we do not give our hearts to that which is far from us. So if my neighbor is sick, if my neighbor is in pain, I'm in pain. Honestly, I don't feel that same level of pain for the person in Africa or Ethiopia. I beat myself up about that at times, but it's just a fact because that person's far away. So we give our attention, we give our hearts to that which is closest to us. When we begin to apply that thought to our smartphones, then all of a sudden it created for me an aha moment that one of the reasons that I struggle so much with the smartphone is there is literally nothing that is closer to me than my smartphone. I have it with me. I have it on me. I am feeling it physically virtually every minute of every day. And the more that happens, the more I feel like I have to have it close to me, which then feeds the addiction more and more. And that part of the problem is it is always front and center in our lives. So if we begin to apply the law of proximity, then we can begin to attack this from a very practical angle of how we can begin to overcome some of our obsession with our smartphones. Okay, so let's just maybe dive right into some of these practical things, and I'm sure it'll surface other thoughts as we go. Uh, so if, if you were just to help someone walk through some ideas of practical steps uh, for applying this idea, what, what would you say first? Well, what I'd say is that uh, we all need our smartphones. Um, we need them in a lot of fashions. They serve a lot of good functions. Uh, what I would say is that we don't need them all the time. So if we can begin to identify the times that we can actually live without them and we can take our smartphones and put them far away from us, during those times that we can live without them, then we begin to get a little bit of a sense of balance. So for me, as I've been trying to figure out how to put this into practice, I've tried to think of some very practical things. And there are lots of books about this, so these aren't, you know, my profound insights, but they are very practical. So a couple of ones that I think work. Uh-huh. Uh, one, and I've seen this suggestion in many places, is charge your phone in a different room. Uh, so many of us have our phones charging right by our bedside. That means that we, uh, we see the light come on when there's a text that comes on. We hear it. 
it is within arm's reach the moment our eyes open, that creates uh, an obsessive level of addiction to it. So a very simple thing is we don't actually need our smartphones when we are sound asleep, so charge it in another room. That's a just a practical one. Uh, another practical one, while we might want our smartphones with us when we're eating, we don't need our smartphones when we're eating. We know actually deep down that we are better off when we are eating particularly with people being present with them and not being distracted by our smartphones. But if they're on us, we're going to be distracted. Yeah. So what a great life-giving practice it would be to make the intentional choice to say, when I am eating, I put my smartphone well away from me. That right there would improve our quality of our lives and our level of addiction to our smartphones in a massive way. Mm-hmm. Um, keep on going. I got lots of ideas. On this. I, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, hold on. My phone's yeah. blowing up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So uh, another one I've learned is that that one of the ways that the uh, smartphone grabs us is it's always vying for our attention, and it's vying for our attention by way of notifications. So when it beeps, we listen. When it vibrates, we act. So I've learned that by turning off notifications, almost all notifications, that I can actually have the possibility of forgetting that I have my smartphone with me. It's interesting. I've never uh, been a person who's particularly struggles with anxiety related um, challenges and um, notifications were the first noticeable thing that really brought anxiety into my life. And so I don't remember how long, a while back um, I did that and kind of shut all notifications off. I think except text messages, which now I, I use a smart watch to kind of be able to check it without having to pull out my phone. And the level of it was, it was so it was very noticeable because I didn't have anxiety coming from other directions. It was very noticeable how that went away when I turned off the, the notifications. Right. And how we apply that is, is very individual. Uh, I mean, I think we're best off if we apply it broadly and, and just cut off notifications, but I don't think that's the only answer. It might be that certain notifications are necessary. It might be that certain notifications are enjoyable, but in the in the end, notifications are an interruption, and right, that interruption right. is anxiety producing. It is, and it's uh, the reality of it is it kicks your brain into an urgent mode, and yes. so um, I don't like when people make really concrete claims about how the brain works because we're still learning so much. Scientists are only beginning to tap into understanding. But I think something that's pretty commonly accepted now is that there is a part of our brain that's wired for that urgent survival mentality. And so when something, when you see that notification pop up, you go into that almost fight or flight mode of directing your attention toward that thing and trying to start thinking about whatever that notification was and reacting to it. And it pulls you out of the proactive part of your brain that's maybe trying to be more focused and intentional. 
Well, and, and part of this podcast is trying to give us some tactical things so that our answer to the problem isn't just to complain about the problem. That rather than doing that, if we can just make one incremental step, then eventually we can make a second incremental step. And that can begin to make a difference in this. Okay, so a few that you've mentioned is charging your phone in a different room at night, um, not having your phone with you at meals, and turning off your notifications. What else could people try as a tactical step? Well, one thing I do, I know that one of my temptations is social media. You know, it, it's uh, glitzy, it's, uh, it's eye candy type of thing. And so I am prone when I have a moment free uh, to just pull up Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, LinkedIn, what, whatever the case is. So on, uh, particularly on my iPad, what I've done is I've taken those apps and I've put them on a back page. And it's simply a reminder when I pull up my iPad and pull up the home page, the only thing I have on, on that is Kindle, which is reading, which I can handle that. So I'm now having to make an intentional extra step to get to that thing, which uh, inherently I don't think is something I have to have. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't prevent it. It just makes it makes me think about it before I just jump to it as an automatic, mindless activity that I do. That's It's so small, but it's just a small step in the right direction. Right. It's it's just a trigger to cause you to actually think about what you're doing instead of just doing it knee-jerk. Right. Uh, you know, there there are a couple other, I think, realities. One of the things that I think I've been asked about is, okay, that's all fine if we were living in a vacuum, but we're not. You know, we live in a culture that uh, expects us to have our smartphone with us all the time. So how do we deal with society's expectations on this? Yeah, and uh, something that's become a mantra um, for Ashley and I, and I think we say it almost daily now, <laughs> but it came from someone else um, who was uh, a bit of a, a friend and also who's a counselor. And the phrase is, you train people how to treat you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Or said another way, you teach people how to treat you. And this has been completely game-changing for me in the direction you're talking about because at the time I was working in a corporate environment where literally hundreds of emails a day, tens of meetings, people pulling at you from every direction, and that's just at work. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. not even talking about social media, friends, family. And so this was a major problem for me. And I, you know, as someone who wanted to grow in the ways we're talking about, I had to think about this. The mantra you teach people how to treat you was game changing because it it shifted my mindset. I was in a victim mentality and I realized I actually do have ownership over my life. And so sure, there are expectations and people I have to please and all of those things. I'm not discounting that. But the way that I react to them is going to kind of subconsciously teach them how to continue treating me moving forward. So for example, if I answer every email within, you know, five minutes after it comes in, which I know there's whole business strategies about why that can be a great idea. Put that aside for now. 
It's not true. <laughs> if I do that, I'm yeah. actually training you to expect that from me. Right. And so moving forward, you're always going to expect, oh, Steve replies within five minutes. And so the minute it's like the sheep, who, uh, the boy who, who cries wolf, right? Right. The one time that I don't reply in five minutes, you start worrying. You think, oh, he's not paying attention. Is he mad at me? Is there a problem? Like, <laughs> Oh, totally. Yeah. And so just by way of how I act, um, it, it teaches the people I interact with what to expect from me. And, um, and so I think this is a really important part of it is to be aware of how we, um, the vibes that we put off to others and what we're actually saying through our actions, knowing that we do have ownership of our lives to the extent that we can influence how we want it to be. Well, and this really plays when it comes to text messaging. I, I, I realize that most of our culture uh, expects that when you get a text that you respond to it immediately. But if you begin to say, well, I actually respond to it when I want to respond to it, I will try to be attentive, but I'm not going to live by your expectations of when I respond. You can begin to train people that it's not the end of the world if you wait a few hours or a half a day or even the next day before you respond to a text message, that you actually get to decide when you do something, not someone else who has said, I expect you to respond to me this minute. So uh, changing those expectations is, is really important. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to move us on to the next example, because yeah. clearly we could talk about that for a while. Right. We, we could actually talk about uh, all of these things for a long time. The other thing, I think, it, I think you can actually take on uh, this a little bit as a mission, and the mission is to lead by example. Yeah. So most everybody has their smartphones with them all the time. How great would it be if we began to lead by example and we went to meals and we didn't have our smartphones with us? I'm not saying in our pockets or put face down on the table. I'm saying we literally didn't have it with us. Yeah. And we began to, began to lead a movement by example of the way we want other people to be. And that way we don't have to preach at them. We right. just live it and let it, let it uh, seep out that way. I love that one because uh, about a year ago, I was hanging out with my niece and nephew. and. Uh, my niece started drawing pictures for people and it was so sweet. You know, she was, she loves art and she was just kind of off in the corner drawing pictures. And then all of a sudden she came around and was delivering pictures to each person like, Oh, I drew this for you. And she, she was essentially kind of drawing the things that represented that person that she noticed as, you know, right. a kid with kind of that, um, with that kind of just objective filter <laughs> or no lack of filter, lack of filter. Uh, right. And so she comes over and says, uncle, I drew this for you. And I was, Oh, that's so sweet. And I, and I look at um, the drawing for me and it's a laptop, a cell phone. Uh, <laughs> oh. It's like all the pieces of technology. And do you feel that knife kind of twist? Uh, it was just oh. twisting. I yeah. was like, Oh man. This is so nice and sweet, and it's just really painting a clear picture for me. Right. So, yeah. you know, clearly it's not only affecting uh, the adults we interact with, but kids really pick up on this stuff too, which just kind of proves your point that it's really impactful 
in terms of how our presence with other people. Yeah, and I think even though we're kind of preaching about this on this <laughs> podcast, I kind of think we just don't need to be preached at. We just we need to live it, and it, it's so much uh, more graceful to simply just live the way we want to. And if that if if other people want to uh, join in, then that's great. It's a good point. You know, I'm even though I'm talking about this topic here, I'm not even fully convinced that I. I still love technology and I see lots of benefits in being engaged with it continually throughout the day. And so, yeah, it's not something to harp on, but just to be aware of and think about proactively. Yeah. And I still struggle with it. So, I mean, it would be really hypocritical for me to preach about it as if I've got my act all together on this. It's, it's a hard, it's still a hard thing for me. So I guess uh, the last thing that I would say just as a, a tactical thing. And then I think there are some other places we can go with this law of proximity. But the last thing is, is to begin by just picking low hanging fruit, do something simple in the right direction, you know, charge your phone in another room or, or, you know, put your phone in a different room when you're eating meals, just take the easy route, but, but do something, do something along this lines. And I think that if we begin to do that, uh, then we'll begin to ad- address this. So good. And, and like everything on the podcast, if you're trying this out, if you're running an experiment for yourself, if you have a win or you feel stuck, uh, we'd love to hear about it. And um, you can simply just write a comment in the review on the podcast um, or actually message us. Yeah, and, and even add some of your ideas of, you know, what you've done. There's so many ideas. I've, I've heard of people who say cut off the color on your cell phone so that when you're looking at it, it's all in black and white because it just won't be as appealing. There, there, there are a hundred different ideas. So, yeah, share your ideas that, that have been helpful to you. Okay, so you talked about at the beginning what's cool about the law of proximity is that whatever you're close to, kind of um, draws our attention most or is closer to our heart. And the opposite is true as well. Uh, so maybe talk about that other side of it for a second. Well, so there, there, are, there are two other angles that have nothing to do with smartphones that I think it, uh, is actually very powerful. It's that we can apply this law of proximity, uh, that which we give our attention to is that which is closest to us, to help us in uh, in other ways. So, for instance, we could choose to have certain food in the refrigerator and to not have certain food in the refrigerator. And that which is closest to us uh, will actually get our attention. Uh, we can do that with regards to exercise. We can do that with regard to reading. You know, I mean, we're most likely going to read books if they're by our bedside, and we'll most likely read the books that are by our bedside. We are unlikely to bypass those and go find something else when it's that close to us. So you can begin to think through a lot of different areas of your life and say, not only what do I want to move further away from me, but also what do I want to be closer to me? So you can begin to think, for instance, you know, what do I want my attention to go to? So for instance, I've thought about this in terms of uh, friendships, that I want 
to foster deeper friendships. So I've tried to arrange my life even with systems that make that automatic so that that happens. And then all of a sudden my life becomes that which I'm closest to, which is a lot of friends. Yeah. And it, it can sound rigid, but it's really not. I know we've talked about this before, but the more you implement these intentional systems, the more things just become natural and you don't even have to think about it. And, um, one of my coaches uh, calls this idea optimizing your environment. And I love that. And it's, it's what you're talking about. If you're trying to lose 10 pounds, don't put Oreos on the counter, like get them out of your house. And the very fact that something is there is just making it harder because your environment isn't, isn't, uh, your environment is not set up in a way that is compatible with the goals you have. Right. What, uh, I know we're, we're beginning to go a little bit long, but, uh, I think this floored me, this study, there was a study back, uh, from the Vietnam war. Uh, some generals went over to Vietnam and realized that there was a, uh, a massive, massive heroin problem amongst the troops. Uh, about 15% of the troops were thoroughly addicted to heroin, one of the most addictive drugs that were out there. And so they began to think, well, we have got a real problem when the war ends and these people reintroduce. We introduce that many heroin addicts into our culture and they can't kick it because nobody ever kicks heroin. We've got a real problem. They found to their surprise that when the when these soldiers came back to the U.S., that only a very small percentage of them remain addicted to heroin. And what they realized is once you took them out of the environment, the heroin environment, once the heroin wasn't close to them, that they were freed up and they could actually overcome their addiction. So, you know, it, it's, it, it shows that this actually works in every venue of our life. Wow, that's powerful. Uh, we'll have to do another episode on that. Um, but to, to kind of move toward the end of this one, what are, what are some closing thoughts we need to consider? Yeah. So, uh, I, I would love to, I think, uh, challenge myself, challenge all of us to, uh, two particular takeaways, uh, with regards to this. One is pick one concrete way of creating distance from your smartphone. You don't have to do two or three. You don't have to change the world overnight, but just pick one way and commit yourself to one way of creating physical distance from your smartphone. That's good. And and tell a friend or someone in, close to you in your life that you're trying it. Yeah. Because they'll they'll either ask you about it or, you know, in some ways it can help to just have another person aware that you're trying that. Right. Uh, and then the other... Uh, takeaway that I'd like to offer is to uh, spend a few minutes and think about what you actually desire to get closer to. It could be, I'd actually desire to get closer to God, or I'd like to get closer to my spouse, or I'd like to get closer to uh, being in shape. And think about that, and then think about how the law of proximity might apply itself in that situation. Um, you might be surprised on that. All right, Atomic Habits. 
is a bit of a clue to our book recommendation. Yeah, it it's a great book by James Clear, uh, a, a recent one that just came out, and it's got getting a lot of attention, and it's worthy of a lot of attention. He is uh, really a genius at being very practical uh, and uh, very innovative about how to both build and how to get rid of habits in our lives. So uh, I thought I'd read everything that was written about habits, and I, and I read this, and it was just a great, fresh presentation on building and eliminating habits in our lives. So definitely worth a read. All right, Atomic Habits, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe and come on, do us a favor, leave a five-star review. It'll help others find the show too.